It is awesome to be here with you guys. This is literally like coming home. Watching the video of the folks that you guys are engaged with is just thrilling. See how God's expanded your family. The beautiful thing this this week that you've been focusing on is community on mission. And that community is a family that you guys have brought us into and we feel we we wish that we lived here with you guys so that we could be more intimately connected with you and God hasn't allowed that but we still are just thrilled um, that you that we are a part of your family and that you are a part of our family as we reach around the world. And this morning I want to talk about this area of community on mission. I want to start with a story. A fellow by the name of Ringoy, um, <clears throat> he was one of the first Tugbanwas who came to, to Christ in our second station, which is on the other side of the mountain uh, from where we lived the first eight years, in a village called Katol. Uh, Ringoy is about my age. Um, he was married to a lady called Ernita, uh, and this lady was from another ethnic group, didn't speak Tugbanwa, didn't understand the culture. Um, she had, uh, they had married and had just recently uh, located back into the village um, where we were ministering. And so naturally, when we began uh, teaching uh, our, our Bible teaching, we, we teach about three, to, three and a half months starting in Genesis chapter 1, going through Acts, the first chapter of Acts, laying a, a clear foundation, starting from creation all the way to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And then we share what Christ accomplished for them. Well, <clears throat> Ernita wasn't able to attend. She couldn't understand, so she stayed home. But what was amazing was two weeks after we shared the Gospel, we had over 40 people, express faith in Christ, Ernita put her faith in Christ. And I hadn't talked to her one time about the, the gospel because I had been, you got to realize, going cross-culturally and language is really hard work. And uh, anyway, come to find out that every day after we taught, Ringoi went home and told his wife everything he could remember that he had just learned. Today, Ringoi is uh, one of our other our elders passed away. He was probably our best teacher. He's in glory now, but Ringoi is our, our best teacher alive today. And he started before he was a believer. He just started communicating what he was understanding and telling her this is the truth. And um, immediately, Ernita, she began studying Tagbanwa language and culture. She wanted to be able to worship with the believers. And uh, I mean, in months, uh, she, she was fluent enough to understand what was going on. And uh, she was growing. So part of our approach to teaching the Word of God and teaching the way that we do uh, in an unreached tribe, is we don't sing, we don't pray, we don't share testimony, we don't do the benefit, the things that are the benefit of believers in the family of God. 
we stick to the basics, and that is who God is and where, who they are and where they are with God in relation to how God revealed Himself. Well, as soon as we had uh, believers, we began to meet together as a body. And the first time, Ringoi, we, we started teaching on prayer, teaching them how to sing, uh, started sharing testimonies. And the first time Ringoi prayed in one of our meetings, this was one of the things he said. Jesus, we sure don't know how Agsa Jodi and Agsa Barbara, that means Cousin Jodi and Cousin Barbara, survive here off of a stick. He was referring to a pencil. We, we're always learning, always writing. Our whole life is writing. And, and he says, we don't know how they live off of a stick since they don't have a garden. But thank you, Lord, for providing food for them so they can live here and tell us this amazing good news about Jesus. Ringoy realized without having an ambassador of Christ in their presence, there's no way they would see the glory of God, understand who He is. That was the first time we had the opportunity to tell them how it works. We told them, you have just been birthed into a huge family. God has a family all around the world. That family, you don't even know all your brothers and sisters in Christ. But the only reason Barbara and I are able to live here with you and teach you the Word of God is because your brothers and sisters in America, they pray for us, they support us, they write us and encourage us to hang in there. They, they share uh, with all of our other brothers and sisters in Christ the things that they're learning about what God is doing here among you. And one day you'll get to see all these folks. They're your family. Unbeknownst to us, that little interchange in that worship service was the impetus of a mission thrust that has changed the tribe. They, they understood who they are in God's big family. And they realized the only way others are going to learn is if they go. And that only happens when we support each other as we go. That's how there are 32 churches today. But you folks have been in partnership with us. We've been in community together. We've been an extension of this body right here, of this community of faith. And because of that relationship, God has raised up another community of faith. Well, in many villages throughout the Tugbanwa tribe. And not only have you partnered with us, you now today are partnering with many Tugbanwas that you've never met, but you still pray for them. And as you continue to support us and as we continue to, to give you feedback as to what God's doing, you're partnering with these guys and one day you'll get to sit around heaven praising Jesus for how He's worked through our community of faith together. Guys, 
To me, that's one of the most exciting things I can think about. Spending uh, eternity together, figuring out how God did all these amazing things through this little body called the local church. Baraka Church has been a, a community on mission with God in many parts of the world since their birth. Uh, Baraka community has been on mission with the Cranes. We, we tried to figure it out. Didn't have time to go back and look at our vouchers because we could figure out actually the month that it started. But it was, I think it was somewhere in nine, uh, uh, 1986 that we became uh, partners together with God and reaching into the Tugbanwas in the Philippines. One of the things that the mission team uh, shared with me as uh, we were talking about this conference, they, they said this, this is a quote, our goal for the conference being to see our church better equipped to know, stay connected with, and serve alongside our missionaries. And I want to add this morning, and to accomplish God's purpose that His glory cover and fill the earth. That's what we are about. That's why God has raised us up and left us here. He didn't take us to glory as soon as we came into the family of God. He left us here to be a community of faith on mission. As I've thought about that, uh, immediately this big picture, I'm a big picture guy. This big picture of God's plan before the foundation of the world and what He was going to accomplish all the way from creation to the day that we, we are, resurrect, are uh, raptured into uh, the presence of God and spend eternity with Him in heaven. He had a plan. And I want to talk a little bit about that plan today and how we as partners, as a community on mission, are accomplishing God's purpose today. But it's a story which we love starting in Genesis because that's kind of the foundation of everything in Scripture. And in Genesis uh, chapter 1, we find that, that God creates the heavens and the earth. And uh, we'll get there in just a minute. But uh, in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14, I want to read a verse that kind of sets the tone for what God was doing. Habakkuk 2.14, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water cover the sea. This morning I'd like us to consider the wisdom of God and how He masterfully designed His church according to the purpose of His will before the foundation of the earth to glorify Himself throughout all the world. We'll look at three areas for you guys that like notes and, and uh, outlines. God's glory revealed through creation, God's glory revealed through Israel, and God's glory revealed through the church. Before we look at these three aspects of God revealing His glory throughout Scripture, I think we need to talk about this word glory. The glory of the Lord. Glory is one of those really important words that we use all the time. And Scripture speaks of it often, but it's difficult wrapping our minds around. Because it's kind of one of those out there words. We, we kind of have a feel for what it is. 
But the word glory in some form or another shows up uh, 638 times in Scripture. So apparently it must be a pretty important thing. And in, in its most basic form, the word glory generally refers to brightness or to light. And I think probably one of the best illustrations of, of how this, this uh, word kind of is uh, an example or a visual of it, uh, of the glory of God, would be in Exodus chapter 24. Turn with me over there. Exodus 24, verses 16 and 17. Now the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai. The children of Israel are at the base of Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. They are waiting for God to uh, give Moses the law. And in verse 16 says, The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it's six days, and on the seventh day, he called Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Mount Sinai is three feet short of 7,500 feet high. God is manifesting himself in the form of a huge fire. You've got the children of Israel are surrounding the base of that mountain, probably somewhere around 2-3 million people at the time. God had warned Moses to tell the elders, do not let even your animals touch the base of the mountain. You'll die. God is going to reveal Himself. Not only were the Israelites seeing this huge fire, anybody that lived within miles, you know how desert, I don't know if you know how desert are, they generally don't have all these clouds and stuff around, so you can see for miles and miles and miles, God, when He manifested His glory, was easily seen, not only by the, um, the Israelites, but also others that are around uh, the area. But there's a more, a more important aspect of God's glory than, than just the shine or the brightness of the fire. In Isaiah chapter 6, you remember Isaiah is uh, before the Lord and uh, he describes this vision of God Almighty sitting on a throne high and lifted up and the seraphims are crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. John Piper says, intrinsically holy, intrinsically holy, intrinsically holy, and the whole earth was filled with His glory. And he says, I'll take a stab at what glory is. It's God in the manifest beauty of His holiness. It's kind of hard to get your mind around that, but God chooses to reveal Himself, and we're going to see as we start going through Scripture, God reveals Himself over and over again. I've kind of simplified it. As I've studied and looked at this, I've simplified even uh, Piper's uh, definition, and I like to think of it as glory is the displayed or the manifested or demonstrated excellence of God. His beauty, His awesomeness, His holiness, His light, uh, His uh, omnipotence, everything is revealed 
whenever we see God and when He chooses to reveal His glory. So, the displayed or manifested excellence of God. And so now, let's, let's begin looking at these three areas. God, God's glory revealed through creation. This morning in uh, uh, Psalm chapter 19, we'll read a few verses there. Uh, our amazing God can't help Himself. Everything He touches... Everything He does reveals, reflects who He is, His glory, His awesomeness. In Psalm chapter 19, and uh, beginning in verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens shout the magnificent uh, declaration of God's excellence. And the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. The voice goes out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. God chose through creation to reveal a portion of Himself. We can't even take in who He is. And so He just shows us a little bit through the galaxies, through the sun, the moon, the stars, through uh, the amazing beauty that we see in rivers and lakes and oceans. and All of creation was to give us an insight to who He is as a Creator God, Almighty God. When the psalmist says the heavens declare the glory, literally he's, he means God is shouting at us. He shouts with clouds and He shouts with the blue expanse of the universe. He shouts with the brilliance of the sunrise. He's shouting, I am glorious. Open your eyes. See who I am. In Psalm chapter 8, verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is Your name in all the earth. You have set Your glory above the heavens. Psalm eight uh, 108.5 be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all of the earth. In creation, God shows His excellence, His majesty, His omnipotence. But the crowning gem of all of creation wasn't the stars and the moon the sun. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God chooses to create Something that would reveal an image of Himself. God creates Adam and Eve. Genesis 1.26 Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Verse 27 So God created man in His own image. And in the image of God, He created him male and female. He created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, first command in Scripture, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Fill the earth with what? Fill the earth with manifestors of the image of God. Adam and Eve were created in the likeness and the image of God. God's design and desire was not only could people see who a little bit of who He is through creation, but only through the likeness of Him in Adam and Eve could the whole world see the greatness and His majesty of who He really is? 
as an incredible, loving God in relationship, in community, in fellowship, created man in His likeness and image so you and I could have intimate relationship, fellowship with Him. Adam and Eve were the only part of creation that reflected the image and likeness of God. They resembled God not physically, but in spirit. I had so much fun studying about this. I, I'll tell you, uh, it took me many hours preparing this message because I kept getting on these rabbit trails. Some of our church fathers, four of them that you would know most of them, uh, have different views of what what it all means that we were created in the image of God. All of them just show what an awesome God we have. No matter which one you want to pick, it's just beautiful that God would choose to somehow manifest through you and me a likeness of Himself. They were created in His likeness mentally, morally, socially, uh, we can we have rational thoughts and volition, as volitional agents. Uh, morally, we were like Him in righteousness and perfection or perfect innocence, reflecting His holiness. Socially, we were created for fellowship. We were created for a relationship. God created a cow, and a cow goes out, mows the grass for you, gives you milk, has offspring, gives you hamburgers, and glorifies God doing that with no relationship whatsoever with Him. You and I have relationship with our Creator because we were created in His image. God designed you and me to be mirrors of Himself. Think about that. What do you see when you look in a mirror? If you look straight on, you see yourself. If the mirror is tilted, you see what it reflects from. God created you and me to have our faces turned toward Him so that we would always be showing the world what an incredible, amazing God He is. A God who loves you and me and loves fellowship and relationship. Creation of mankind was unique. Man was created with no glory in and of himself. Like I said, we're merely mirrors only with the capacity to brilliantly reflect God's glory, His manifested excellence. God's first command was to multiply and fill the earth. No other create, uh, creature or created thing could do what God had commanded them to do. Cows can multiply, but they can't do what Adam and Eve were commanded to do, and that is fill the earth Reflecting God's glory for who, of who He is. Can you imagine what the world would look like today if Adam and Eve had obeyed God? 7.6 billion people, untarnished mirrors, faces turned to God, showing the whole world what an incredible God He is. The image... The closest thing I can think of is NASA. They have these incredible cameras and they take pictures of the earth at night. And the areas of the earth where there are lots of people, like billions in China and India, there are lots of lights. And they literally light up the whole 
uh, not province, country or the whole continent. When you take that map and you flatten it out, it's like, can you imagine every human being, what it would look like, the reflection of, of a bright, saving, loving, relational God if we were, had our faces turned to God? It didn't work out that way. Adam and Eve was not obedient. They still are, were bearing the image of God, but it was tarnished. It, the reflection became diminished because of sin. Adam and Eve made a re, uh, an evil choice to rebel against a loving Creator, and in so doing, damaged the view that the world would have of a brilliant, magnificent God manifesting Himself through us. In Romans chapter twelve, uh, chapter five, and verse twelve, Paul says, "Therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men." You and I, our mirrors are tarnished. We still have some of the the ability to reflect God's nature, but not like He had originally intended. The image of God in humans have been deeply marred and distorted by the fall. Men and women died spiritually and humanity's relationship with God was ruptured as well as the interpersonal relationships that we had with each other. Personalities were, were corrupted and moral purity was lost, replaced by a sinful nature. Knowledge was degraded by false philosophies and vain imaginations. Emotions turned to selfish desires rather than a face turned to God. The holy image of God was replaced by fallen image of Adam. And so often, man, now when you look on man, you see that corruption. You see that fallenness, that sin, rather than revealing the magnificence display of God's amazing excellence. In Genesis chapter 5 and verses 1 through 3, the writer says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made man in his likeness, in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them and he blessed them and he named them man when they were created. When Adam lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Sad. Adam's image now is the one reflecting rather than God's image. Guys, we live in a world where mankind, humanity, is creating themselves to reflect themselves rather than the God who created them to reveal His glory through them. So, yes, God's image was tainted but not completely lost. But it's nothing like God had originally created us to be. So, Adam and Eve failed in their responsibility and their obedience to, to fill the earth with beautiful reflectors of God's amazing glory. 
So God then chooses to reveal His glory through Israel. Acts chapter 7, verse 2. Stephen says, as he's before the uh, religious leaders, he says, brothers and fathers, these are all Jewish people, hear me, the glory, our, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. And he said, go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into the land in which you are now living. God's purpose that he be glorified throughout all the earth didn't change with Adam and Eve's failure. God is going to accomplish his purpose. God wins every time. You and I, even in our disobedience, cannot thwart the amazing omnipotence of God. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, talks to, about the same thing of God calling Abram and sending him from his country. He said, I'll, I'll send you to a place that I'll show you, and I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you, and I'll make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Verse 3 is the key. I'll bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed, shall be blessed. Abraham went just like God told him to go. God fulfilled his purpose, began to bless Abraham, created this massive nation. It's interesting, it's almost similar verbiage. Multiply and fill the earth. Cover the earth with the glory of God. God declared that Abraham, if he would obey him, he would bless all the families of the earth. God, or Abraham turned his face toward God and obeyed. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6, and, uh, six through 8. For you are a people, a holy people, to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for His treasured possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. And he goes on and he says, it's not because you were big in number, you were powerful, you were uh, famous. I chose you, verse 8, it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath He swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery and from the hand of, e of, of Egypt, King of Egypt, for His purposes, for His glory. God desired Israel to be the model that would reveal the manifested excellence of God. Exodus 9, 6, uh, 6 says that God wanted Israel to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And what do priests do? They merely represent or reflect the holiness of God. And I, I want us to look for a moment in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8. Deuteronomy 4 has been called by a lot of Bible teachers the missionary chapter of the Old Testament. God's heart never changed, no matter what dispensation of time. 
But I want you to catch God's heart for Israel to reflect His glory to the nations as they moved into the promised land. Verse 5, Deuteronomy 4, 5, See, I've taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of. Keep them and do them. For that will be your wisdom and understanding in the sight of the peoples who when they hear all these statues will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to, uh, so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon Him? And, when, and what great nation is there that His statues and rules are so righteous as all this law that is set before you today? God's desire in raising Israel up was to accomplish the same thing that He had given uh, the command to Adam and Eve, to multiply and fill the earth, reflecting His glory. God chose the nation of Israel just because He wanted to show His love. He wanted to manifest Himself. He raised up a whole system in which He was able to reveal to the, the children of Israel Himself, His presence, His glory. First in the tabernacle and then in the temple. Here on earth among His people. Isaiah 49.3 says, And He said to me, You are My servant, Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Israel rebelled against the Lord over and over again. They did not show the nations what an amazing God the Lord was. They intermarried. They Worship the same idols, idols that are stone, uh, sun, moon, rocks. Idols that couldn't hear or see. God says, why? I chose you as mine, my own nation to reveal my glory through you. Israel failed their mandate to cover the earth. But God's not going to be thwarted in His accomplishing of His purpose. God wins. We win. God's glory revealed through the church. Adam and Eve failed in, in their God-given mandate to multiply and fill the earth with God's glory. Israel failed as the kingdom of priests uh, to the nations of the earth. But God is going to reveal His glory now through the church. God gets personal again. God's a personal God. He wants intimate relationship. He personally revealed Himself to Adam and Eve in the garden, then to the nation of Israel in the tabernacle, in the temple, and now God reveals His glory in the person of Jesus Christ. My Savior, your Savior. John chapter 1, you could probably quote it, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Glory, manifested excellence, displayed majesty and beauty. <clears throat> John also wrote in 1 John 1, uh, verse 1, That which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, we've looked upon and we've touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life 
was made manifest and we've seen it and testified to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. God revealed Himself to Adam and Eve in a personal relationship in the garden. Revealed Himself through the, the tabernacle in the temple to the nation of Israel. Many, many manifestations to the nation, such as on Mount Sinai. That didn't accomplish His purpose, and so He's chosen now to reveal Himself through Himself in the person of Christ. Jesus was made God in human flesh. Jesus, the second Adam, the perfect Adam, perfectly reflected the image of God in living color that our eyes could see and behold. Hebrews chapter 1, 3 says, He is the radiance. It radiates the glory of God. Jesus looked like every other man, <clears throat> except His face was turned to the Father. The world saw God through Him. It wasn't His physical form that was significant. It was His face to God that revealed what an incredible God we have. He is the radiance of the glory of God. The exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Making purific after making purification for sins, He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus modeled God's purpose in creating man, which was perfect communion and fellowship with, with the Father, showing the world the manifested excellence of God through his life. And now, Jesus turns and mobilizes, commissions. His church to fulfill God's original plan all the way back in, in Genesis 1 of covering the earth with His glory, His manifested excellence. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21, To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. And how can the church reflect the glory of God? We can't. We can't in and of ourselves. Never have been able to. <clears throat> And never will. Apart from Him revealing Himself through us. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. God's plan was to reveal Himself through us. But it wasn't about us. <clears throat> Scripture says there. Luke writes verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. God gave His church, His Holy Spirit, to empower the church to move throughout the world and fulfill the call that God had given from the beginning all the way to you and me today that His glory would be revealed through our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was promised, was sent. He indwelled the disciples in Acts. He indwells you and me today and brings us together in community to do something that's impossible for us to do. 
I look at uh, one of the things that I do for Ethnos 360 is help develop and de de design uh, programs that help people learn culture and language. It's difficult. It's, it's hard in English to express some of these things. If just to say the righteousness or the holiness of God in Tagbanwa is Sangbat Natalang Matalang at Panatakit Ampuang Dios. That's one word. God is so big. We can't do this. But the Spirit of God can do it through us. And that's why He's brought us together into local bodies of communities like this church to partner with Him through the power of the Holy Spirit to change the world for eternity. And He does it to our amazement. God has chosen the church of Jesus Christ to now be His clear image bearers, the glory reflectors, because creation is not adequate. Adam and Eve and Israel were inadequate. You and I are inadequate, but praise God, when our faces, our mirrors are facing God, the world sees what an absolute amazing God we have. The glory of God revealed. Let me tell you, the world needs it. The world, their mirror is so dark they don't have a clue who God is. Romans chapter 1 verses 19 through 22 gives this sad picture of those who are outside the family of God. Verse 19, for what could be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. <clears throat> For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, they've been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. <clears throat> God doesn't believe in atheists. He has put in the heart of man to look at creation and realize, whoa, there's somebody bigger than me. There's somebody out there that is so much more powerful than I am. And yet, we convince ourselves of this crazy thinking. Verse 21 um, tells us how it works. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory, the manifested excellence of an immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. The world can see God's power. They can see His divine nature. But they don't see the image of God, of who He is, as one who seeks a relationship, after, a relationship with them. And the only way they can see that is through an image bearer that is reflecting the glory of God. As time has progressed from the fall, the evidence of Romans becomes clearer and clearer. Verse 23 is just so plainly describes they've exchanged the glory of an immortal God for images resembling mortal man and a whole slew of other things. I want to illustrate that 
by a story I've probably told you before. Ringoy's brother-in-law, is his name is Kendoy. Kendoy um, and Sungi had uh, a number of children, but they had a four or five-year-old son who became ill. They <clears throat> uh, took him to a witch doctor, and Tugbanwas, they know how to manipulate the spirits. They offered a, a, a sacrifice and an offering, and the boy was supposed to get better, but he got worse. Well, they hiked a little further away and went to another witch doctor that had more spirits, more demonic spirits. Went through the same process. He got sicker. So they decided to hike over the mountain to the one who is known to be like the supreme uh, mediator between the Diwatas and mankind. That uh, witch doctor offered all the sacrifices and uh, offerings, and the boy died. And Kendoy was so angry, he said, Sungi, this system that we Tugban was practiced is a hoax. He says it's butta-butta. It's make-believe. It's not real. There is realness or truth. We don't know what it is, but one day we're going to know it, and we're going to hug it. We're going to embrace it. And he went... He shared how now that he realized what Christ had done for him, that this was the truth that he had been waiting on. The world's blinded to the truth of who God is. They know there's more to it than what they're seeing. They're trying to figure out, why are we here? What is my purpose in life? My goodness, if you're in a college or working with millennials, They're trying to figure out how does the world turn and who am I in this world? Praise God, I would say most of you guys in here probably have gotten over that hump. But let me tell you, that's why God has commissioned you and me as a community of believers under the power of the Holy Spirit to go out and reflect who God is, so people can begin to realize why they were created. They were created for God's delight, for God's fellowship and relationship with Him. They will never be happy. They'll never be satisfied. They'll never be fulfilled until they see the glory of God through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit through your life. Okay, I'm going to do some skipping here. Instead of thinking that the church as a as the starting point for the action of mission that involves God and moving into the world, we need to think about it in the opposite way. God is understood as the instigator. He's the initiator. He's the one from the very beginning that chose to reveal himself and then commissioned Adam and Eve and the nation of Israel and you and me as the church of Jesus Christ to go into all the world and reflect His awesome glory so He can have fellowship with every creature that He created in His own image. God is pursuing the nation and He's doing it through glory reflectors. 
Think about how simple that is. God's not giving you a job that's so complicated you can't figure it out. We're to go out there and just shine our face toward God and let the, our mirror be reflected into the lives of those around us. We respond to the issues and the, the situations of life differently than people who aren't in the family of God. Those that are outside look at that and they go, you're weird. There's something strange about you. I'm not comfortable with it, but I'm interested and I want to understand. They don't always say that, but they really do. Guys, the key to our role in all of this is being humble. I'm going to close with a couple passages here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1 27 says, But God chose what was foolish in the world to shame the wise, and He chose the weak in the world to shame the strong. He chose what was low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being could boast in His presence. 2 Corinthians 3.16 But when one turns to the Lord... The veil is removed. Remember the veil Moses had. And he's using that as an illustration. You and I, when we come to Christ and we turn to Christ, that veil's removed and the mirror starts shining. The world is able to see. Verse 17, uh, 2 Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, behold the glory of God. We're looking at Him. We're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Guys, this is incredible. We are participants in what God's original design was in covering the earth and filling it with His glory. God is, or the world is looking for a treasure, not a pot. And um, I'm going to try to wrap up here. Second Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let the light shine out of darkness has shown in, in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Clay jars are just everyday, ordinary vessels. You and you look like the next guy down the street. You're no different than the next guy. The thing that makes people go wow is not you, it's God's glory revealed through you. The messenger's weak. The ability, weakness in speaking ability, uh, weak in every way. And just as Jesus modeled for us what humility is, the God of glory, the creator of the universe, taking on human flesh, becoming humble as a servant or a slave, that's who we are. It's not hard. So I want to ask you a question. Have you lost sight of God's purpose for the church? And for who you are in the church. We've got to keep our eyes on the King of Glory. That's the only way we'll fulfill His commission. To cover the earth. And demonstrate His excellence.
Every believer has been commissioned to engage in their Jerusalem, their Judea and Samaria, and the uttermost part of their world. Every church should have a passion and a plan for mobilizing their body to reach their Jerusalem. And guys, I want to I want to clarify something here. When Luke wrote this, he was not saying some will take care of Jerusalem, some will take care of Judea, some will take care of Samaria, and then others will go to the ends of the earth. We are to be engaged at all levels, all the time. It is impossible for us to do that. But as a body, as a community, we can. God empowers us with the ability. Some of us go like we are. But we don't go as individuals. We go as a body. We bring you with us. If your heart's not with us, your prayers are not with us, your finances are not with us, your encouragement is not with us, this should be the same way in reaching down the street and into your schools and into your work. God is wanting you to reach all of the world. And we can only do that when we do it in community. Baraka Church, you guys do it well. But God's wanting to spur you on to grow and become even more shiny for His glory. That, that the world can see it. Keep allowing God to empower you to become more and more radiant in your reflection of His manifested excellence. Let's pray. God, we are just blown away by the truth of Your Word. We are so amazed. As we look at Scripture and see how from, from the very point of creation to today and into eternity, Your goal is to glorify Yourself and you've chosen to, chosen to do that through us as your body. God, do that through Baraka Church. Do that through every extension, every ministry that this church has to reach into the uttermost parts of the world for your glory. I pray that every individual believer that considers themselves a part, a part of this body, Lord, would catch the vision that you have for the whole world. God, give them a heart to pray, to give, to go, to engage at every level of reflecting Your glory so the world can know You for who You really are as their loving Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.